0: Two Bible readings today, we're reading from Mark chapter 12 verses 28 to 34 to begin with and going on with 41 to 44 So Mark 12:28, the greatest commandment One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength The second is this Love your neighbour as yourself There is no commandment greater than these Well said, teacher, the man replied Then down to verse 41, the widow's offering. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. May God bless the word to us.
1: Good morning, everybody. Good to be back in the house of the Lord. Good to be able to share God's word with you. And yes, it's all about God is watching you. Well, did you doubt that? I mean, you came in here this morning and we've sung to the Lord and somehow because we don't have a sort of sense sometimes where is God, but so keep calm, God is watching. But how would you be, how would you be when you were in that situation and you're there and you've come into church and you see Jesus and he's sitting there on the other side of the church and he's watching you. What a difference that would make. You know, secretly deep down inside, I was hoping we'd maybe take the offering after the sermon, but I resisted. Of course, it wouldn't have made any difference to the people sitting here this morning. You would have given out of the generosity of your heart, as you always do every Sunday. But I think for some of them, they may have sort of looked across over where Jesus was sitting on the other side of the church, and when your eyes met with Jesus goodness knows what would have happened to your heart and your wallet at the same time you know I've asked Colleen to read these two uh, sections of the scriptures because they sort of tell you the story don't they of what's going on in your heart what's going on in your heart love the Lord your God with all your heart we say it but boy how does that work how does that really work in reality loving the Lord your God with all your heart and when you do that It suddenly becomes more important than all the other sacrifices and burnt offerings that they could have presented before God. And that's all it was, is just loving the Lord your God with all your heart. And what does Jesus say to that man who basically said, yes, I think this is the truth. He said, yes, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're this close to realizing what it is that God asks of us. Well it's one thing to say it of course Love the Lord your God with all your heart And it's another thing completely then to live it as well It's easy to say Not so easy to live But that's alright Because it's not our love It's God's love in us And we've just got to be in the right place In in the right state of heart basically To love God with all our heart And in all our understanding Do you notice that? Maybe you didn't I'll tell you anyway When Jesus says these words originally, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and strength. Basically, this teacher of the law says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your understanding. He doesn't use soul and mind together. He uses the word understanding. Ages ago preached a sermon, and it was all about the disciples coming to a realisation. They understood about the loaves and the fishes. I don't know if you remember that. That word understanding is synergy. And the little catchphrase was connecting the dots. Connecting the dots. Basically, coming to a realisation of what is truth, what is God asking of us, and realising that if I do, and in my heart, in, in my soul, in my mind all comes together, it's basically synergy. And it's synergy in such a way that you are in the presence of the Lord and you're walking, talking, being in God's presence, connecting the dots. And that's what he was commended for. That's what that, that took wisdom. And that's what Jesus said. Very wise. Must have come from above. And suddenly this man realized, as he was saying God's word, this is the way I should be living. I should be taking a step at a time. I should be connecting the dots. And seeing how God brings me into life situations. Keep calm. God is watching. So, I don't know how you felt perhaps when you know the offering comes along and you've perhaps realized as well that I'm thankful, I'm grateful, thank you Lord. And with expressions of love, you give back to God something of what he's given you. And that's really what it is. It's just a way of saying thank you. And Jess, thanks for reminding us to tell the Lord that this is what we pleases his heart pleases God's heart when we say thank you well there are a number of people here, maybe a number of widows widowers, we're all individuals God knows each one of us that's a good thing God knows as we come into this place that yeah, he wants to realize that we, what we do is significant and that's where it sort of comes into the equation of even a widow now what is Jesus saying? They're all individuals. Everybody was coming into this temple, and people were doing things that they were perhaps required to do. In those days. Yes, you did actually have to pay temple taxes and things like that when you came into God's house there. And sometimes it's more of an obligation than a joy, trusting that nobody feels obligated in any way here, but it's a joy to give it back. But your offering is significant, because you're not giving to the church. You're giving to God's work. How many times have I said, oh, I'm not giving my money to the church because the church, they don't know what to do with my money? No, I'm sorry. Don't no, put it in that context. Put it in the context of you're giving back to God to extend His kingdom. And that's what God's pretty good at. But He needs resources. Not He needs. He would like you to be a partner. How's that sound? He would like to be a partner in building up His kingdom. And there are some here who do that in other significant ways as well. And it's not about the money. It's really not about the money. It's about the things that God has put in your heart to say, I can contribute this. Even a word of grace, of favor. Even a cup of cold water. Yes, thank you. I was just reminded. There you go. Back on track. We love to see God's kingdom come here on earth. It's all a part of the Great Commission, to go out and do it. Go out and do it. It's like saying, well, if I bring my tithes and offerings into God's house, I am saying I want to have a part to play. That's really what God's wanting from us. He wants to see us engage in such a way that says, yes, what I'm offering is significant, and I'll I'll leave it in the capable hands of those people who administer that wealth and that money. My hands are off it. I've given it to God, let God work it and how God wants to see his kingdom come. So it's not giving money to the church. It's giving money for God's kingdom. That's the difference sometimes if we see it. So back to the situation here that we have. Jesus sitting down opposite the place where the offerings were being put in and watching the crowd putting the money into the temple treasury. So the question is, Jesus got nothing better to do than sit around watching people putting money into boxes. Well, he was a teacher. And sometimes even teachers have to be quiet and still and look around and learn from others. And what was he doing? He was waiting. What was he waiting for? I would suggest a divine encounter. An encounter that basically said, I'm in this situation now and I want to see who God brings into my sphere of influence. Or I want to see who God brings into my way of understanding, perhaps that I can engage with them. I want to see how God works even while I'm standing still and I'm watching. You know, over at Swan Court, Linda and I, we often have this situation and you'll probably be hearing maybe from uh, David Wilson next Sunday. He's coming to preach. He was the man who actually initiated the connection with Urban Seed and Wanderer at the Baptist. One of the the truths that David said to us is when you're there living in community, you loiter with intent. Don't you love that? You loiter with intent. We could tell you stories of our loitering with intent. Sorry, Helen. We're not stalking you guys, okay? We just, you know, we've got some residents over here. Sorry, Maria would have been here as well this morning. Unfortunately, she hasn't been able to make it, but she's hoping to be back next Sunday. But here it is. You go off even collecting the post at the post box. And you're going outside of your little comfort zone. And you're going to see, oh, who else is maybe at the same time coming there. And the connections we make in that driveway or driveways where we live, it's amazing. And only God can bring somebody out of their place and us that time and meet together that way. It's a God encounter, it's a divine encounter. So, wherever you're living. It's a place where God has put you. And wherever you want to have some influence, look around you and say, who are the people who come into my sphere and come into my area? And, well, those are the people God would like you to encounter. So there he is. Jesus is watching. God is watching. Keep calm. But, I don't know, have you had one of those divine encounters perhaps? Because they're the things that God would like you to have your spiritual radar working on when suddenly out of nowhere as it were things come together even Jess with her work looking, looking, looking and then suddenly it all comes together and you sort of think yes so it's not about the coffee it's about the connections sorry Jess, but seriously it is about the connections that's why God's put you where you are and you thought the work was all for you to get money, I'm sorry it doesn't no, not in God's economy. You are there as a source of grace and favor wherever God's placed you. The money is just a sideline. So it's not about the money. And don't get misled into thinking that more is better and bigger and better. A lot of rich people are here and a lot of rich people put tithes and offerings in. And I have to tell you, God sees exactly But on this particular occasion, they did not get noticed. Now Jesus is the only one who's allowed to compare here, alright? Because he knows what's in your wallet and your bank account, every one of you. So that's okay. So when Jesus sort of says there are a lot of rich people giving in, that was nothing that was derogatory in any way. But sometimes, you may have thought... That you're walking along and you're coming in. And in those cases, they probably had a money bag or something like that that they put all their shekels into or denarii or whatever they used to call them. And so you come up to these pots. And I've read somewhere that there were seven. And then I looked at something else in the temple. There were 13 of these large pots. I think by the time you got to number 13, if you hadn't actually given anything, your conscience would have got you. Because you'd be passing all these opportunities to give to God's work. I think by the age, by the time you got to the last part, you would have said, okay, pour it all in. And it could have made a really interesting sound when you get a whole lot of coins falling into one of these pots. And you can only picture or hear it in your own mind. You remember the old pennies that we used to have? Decent sized coin. Put about 10 or 20 of those together and pour them into a pot they will make significant rattling, reverberating noises so here comes a widow and she's called a poor widow nobody knew how much she had in her wallet so what made her different? now we think poor as in monetary a better translation for this one is that she was destitute The other translation is that she was a beggar. When you are poor, you are destitute, and sometimes you're resorting to begging as well. Now, I don't know too many beggars around this part, but coming from Melbourne, we often go down Swanson Street, and you see them sitting on the side of the footpath, and usually their heads are bowed, and they've got a little sign, saying, I'm hungry, please. It's not a good look. And that's the picture of this woman. Her head was bowed, and she just walked in and she was like destitute. Well, there have been a few encounters that Jesus has had with people who are destitute. And even the one who was uh, had been suffering from bleeding back in Mark chapter 5. She was desperate. She came to Jesus. She needed help and she just touched his garment and she just knew that's all I need from Jesus. That was faith in action. This widow, in a way had that same faith and you know it's all about the heart I think she walked into that place seeking the heart of the king she knew her two little coins weren't going to make any difference in this whole temple story really two cents where is that going to go but her heart was in the right place and where her heart is is where her treasure is and you know Luke 12 says where your treasure is that's where your heart will be And remember the story perhaps of one young man who was very rich. He said, Jesus, I'll come and follow you. And Jesus turned around and said, young man, here's the thing. You're very rich, but they're probably holding on to you more than you realize. Go, sell everything. Shock. And then give to the poor. That same word poor? Destitute. The beggars. Sometimes we're a bit too fussy about where we give our money. Jesus was basically telling this young man, you go and find somebody who's begging and give it to them. They're the ones who really need it. And then you'll have treasure in heaven. Who knows the end of that story? Did it end well? No. He didn't want to let go. He really didn't want to let go. Ah, He missed an opportunity. Well, two small coins two cents worth, maybe. And that's a lot. (laughs) We have a story and it's such a similarity. You know, when Jesus is telling these stories and he's watching and waiting, he's actually got his disciples nearby. And he's always looking for an opportunity to tell them about discipleship, about living the life of faith. And he'll remind them oftentimes, or they may even be reminded of another time in the Old Testament days. And when Elijah... A prophet is told, go to the river Kereth there, and guess what? The brook will run with water, you'll be okay, and I've got some ravens who will feed you some bread and meat, you'll be alright. And then in 1 Kings uh, 17 it says, and then the brook dried out. Don't panic Elijah, I'm sending you off to Zarephath, and there's a widow there, and she'll look after you. So of course Elijah goes and we don't know how long that journey took but I think by the time he got there he was desperately thirsty because he sees a widow and he says, I need a drink now I remember it's been a famine in the land but she says, okay I can probably do this and um, she searches and she's uh, going to go and get him a drink and then he says, well, I'm still hungry and if you've got anything to eat would you please bring me a small piece of bread And that's where the story comes out. She says, basically, I've got two things here. I've got a bit of oil. I've got a bit of flour. Think two cents worth. And I'm going to go home. I'm going to make a meal. And it'll be about last supper for my son and myself. And then we will die, because there is nothing else. Now, talk about destitute. That's destitute. Your last supper, and then you die. Elijah says, Make it for me. Give me that bread. And let them also see that there will be enough for you as well. And she did it. She was obedient. She had faith to believe that the man of God who is there, this divine encounter, was telling her, this is what God can do. But you've got to take that first step. You've got to be able to say, it's all yours, Lord. It's all yours. A little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. I'm going to make this small little bread loaf and I'm going to give it back to you. And that's what it was. She was giving it back to God. And I'm just sort of thinking this widow with these two small coins was basically saying, here it is, Lord. I'm giving it back to you. Love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This love for God and for neighbor is the most important thing. More important than all the burnt offerings and more important than, than all those sacrifices. So what happened here? So this lady's going off, this widow's going off, and somewhere, she has come to a point. A transformation occurs, and I believe it has a, as a result when she came to realization that she's going to put faith on the line here. And she came, and I believe when she gave those two coins, there was a sense of contentment, but there's also a sense of generosity as well. You see, here's the story. She could have gone. And she maybe she did go To the priest in the temple And she would have gone to him and said This is all I've got left Two coins He said, is that all you've got? She would say, yes, that's all I've got He would say, alright Hold on to the one And I'll walk you And we'll just put the one coin in that jar And you can then go home At least with something in your hand You would not be totally Devoid of any She had that option She didn't take that option She decided Thank you very much I'll actually give it all So she walks along And she's probably got her little sack And she probably takes out this one small coin And Didn't even make a sound And uh, This is now the moment of truth When you reach your hand into that bag For the second coin It's at this moment where faith decides How strong is my faith How strong is this thing Can I really trust God with my last cent? That's a big question. Can I really trust God with my last cent? Reaches in and says, It's all or nothing. Clink. Wow. You know, that's pretty liberating. Because you can't reach in there and grab it back again. Probably could, but you don't. You've given it. Let it. God now decide what he's going to be doing you see often you hear these stories and you sort of think where does this person come from where was this widow once upon a time could she have possibly come from Galilee could she have been on the mount when Jesus was telling a sermon called the sermon on the mount and what would he have said up there he would have said the words along those lines that don't worry about your life what you're going to eat or drink seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you Maybe she'd heard that from somewhere else. And she said, I'm going to put God to the test in a nice way. (laughs) I'm going to say, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And Jesus is watching. Keep calm. And with that sense, I believe she was very calm, very deliberate. And she did what she did. So Jesus calls his disciples. So if you think that the widow's now gone and she's done this, And here's the word that's quite interesting. He says, I tell you the truth, says Jesus here. Now, when you read that, you've got to believe it. If Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, when he says, I'm going to tell you the truth, basically what he's saying is, this is a statement I'm going to tell you now. It is very important that you listen to me. So you still got the picture that he's sitting on the side and I don't know where all the disciples were if they were just sort of mulling around in little groups of twos and threes. But he calls them together, he says here. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, that next word, this poor woman. Now, if she had gone and put the coins in the jar and walked away, he would have said, that poor woman. I believe he actually called her over to join him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said, this poor woman. And there she's now standing, destitute, penniless and there the disciples are around and he says this is now going to be your visual illustration of what faith is in action all the others gave out of their abundance he says in other words their abundance they were overflowing it didn't actually hurt them at all with what they were giving that's a nice position to be in but this poor woman gave out of her poverty, her extreme lack, her destitute. She in a state of destitute. King James Version uses the word penury. Penury? Who's ever heard of penury? Well, if you read the King James Version, that basically means you. I have got zero in your bank balance. That's how bad it really is. What a lesson for the disciples to learn—that surrender leads to sacrifice. And you know. The more you let go, the more God can give you. The more you let go, the more God can give you. You can't fill hands that are already full. And what's it say up there on the screen? Corrie Yes, hold everything in your hands lightly. Otherwise, it hurts when God pries your fingers open. What a picture. My last cent! No, God! (laughs) Don't let me do it! And God says, You want to live by faith? You really want to live by faith? Yes! Now, as soon as you open your hand, of course, that's faith in action. And the next thing is you have to turn your hand upside down, of course, and let it all drop out. But yes, hold everything in your hands lightly. So, what a story! What a surrender. And there's Jesus telling the story. And he says, They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So Jesus is actually doing a bit of a comparison here, as I mentioned. But he's also bringing back into realization of once upon a time, way back in Genesis, we had the story of Cain and Abel. And who remembers that Cain, yes, he brought an offering of the first fruits of his crops and Abel brought the lamb and what happens that somehow along the way Cain's his offering wasn't accepted but it was actually a comparison in a way because what happened was in Hebrews 11 it tells us here by <laughs> faith Abel offered God a more excellent sacrifice a greater a more in quality So it's not the quantity. And that's, I think, where the difference was. Cain would have sort of grabbed a whole sheaf of wheat or something like that and put it there and said, look at all that. And Abel would have come perhaps with a lamb and said, look at that. And it was the quality. It was the condition of the heart offering it. And that word that comes out there, where it talks about here that she put in more. That's actually probably not a great translation. She put in a better sacrifice. More is not the issue. It's not quantity. It's the quality. The better sacrifice is it came from her heart. And she was loving the Lord her God with all her heart. And that was what a more of a sacrifice was in her case. Yes. So God never measures our mind as such. We come in perhaps and we sort of think, all right. I've decided this is how much I'm going to be offering back to God, and God doesn't look at that. But He certainly has a tape measure, and He measures the the size of our heart. For want of a better word, He's just looking at our heart. He's not caring about what goes on in your mind, about how you're going to calculate if I give this much now and what's going to be left over, and your ching 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 in bottom line. No, He's saying, what's in your heart? Give out of what's in your heart, and learn from this widow when even you've got your last two cents and you want to be free to worship God sometimes God says open up let it happen offer it back to me and then see how I will supply because that was the promise seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things these things about eating and drinking and where you'll live and what you'll wear all these things will be given to you as well Can we trust God on that? Big ask, isn't it? But think of the poor widow. Think, if you were down to your last two cents, could you trust God with that? That's a question. So, come before the Lord. Bow your heads in a moment of quiet. And say, Lord, is there something perhaps that I'm holding on to tightly? Help me, Lord, to open up my hands, open up my heart. And if God's saying something to you, work with him on that. Let's spend a moment in quiet and ask the God question. What it is perhaps that I'm holding too tightly and what should I be holding in my hands more lightly? Lord God, we thank you again for your word and we appreciate That's it. the living word. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the word. Come down from heaven to earth to show us more about what it is to live life that pleases the Father in heaven. And so, Lord, even as we pray, your will be done. We thank you that you're using us and our contributions to that work of your kingdom coming. And we ask again, Lord, your blessings upon each of those who give out of the generosity of their hearts. And may it be, Lord, that you would increase our hearts. To again recognize, Lord, that all good gifts come from above. Everything we can even ask or hope for is a blessing from above. And so we thank you for doing that, Lord. But Lord, again, if we're holding on to things too tightly, help us to loosen. And be that if it's anything financial, or be that in your positions of authority or power, or whatever it is, Lord, it's all of you. And so forgive us that we're thinking of our thinking that perhaps it's all of us. So, Lord, we need you to show us the things that you want us to loosen up in and not to hold too tightly. Because this is your work, Lord, and we want to join you in it. We thank you for the opportunity, seeing of your kingdom come here in Wangaratta Baptist and beyond. We thank you, Lord, again that you place us in those positions of influence. And once again, Lord, we just believe that even these divine encounters of people that we meet on a day-to-day will be something that we could see you at work as you are at work in everyone's life to some degree or rather. Help mm-hmm. us, Lord, to see you in that way and to join you in that work and bringing people closer to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray it. Amen.